Yes, please, it will go all the way for six, just for a moment. He might have picked out fine leg. What an innings. What an innings. An innings of the highest quality for Marin Finch. 100 of just 47 deliveries. Yeah, thoroughly deserves that ovation from this crowd. A little bit worried when I saw the top edge. It was going straight down the fine leg and straight over his head. But geez, played well. Nine fours, eight sixes. And here he goes again. That was our next guest scoring the, his first ever T20 uh, century in 2013 against England. He has given us so many highlights over the last oh, 15 years. It's been extraordinary. His record um, is staring at me in the face, and it is as impressive as we have seen. And I think an excellent commentator as well with a huge future behind the microphone. Aaron Finch is his name. He, he joins us. Finchy, thanks so much for your time, and congratulations on everything. Thanks very much, Kane. How are you, mate? When did you like? When did you know? And when did you start thinking about it? It's really always a tricky one because when you get past the age of thirty, particularly in you know, physical sports like AFL, and you start to slow down a little bit, you start thinking about it. But cricketers can go forever, as as you did. When did it first enter your mind? Oh, a little while ago, I think. Having retired from international cricket, I wanted to have one last real crack at winning a Big Bash title with the Melbourne Renegades, and. It was it was probably mid year. I, I felt myself uh, probably enjoying the broadcast side of cricket mm. more so than, than the thought of playing as well. So it, it all started to creep in then. And uh, the the young guys now they're so talented and so good. I think it's the right time to go and sort of pass the baton on to to the next generation. And hey, what have you noticed? You you said the young guys are, are so good now. Is it the athleticism now that is increased as well, and just how far these guys are, are hitting the ball? Yeah, I think it's a combination of a lot of things. The fact that they get exposed to different conditions all around the world at such a young age now, I think, is a part that uh, helps them a lot. I, th- I think how how big, uh, as a global sport, I suppose, cricket is starting to become and the access that, that players are getting via social media and all that, that just makes them at, at times more resilient, but at other times less resilient, as you probably know. Um, mm. But also the, the the confidence of young kids to walk into professional sport with with no baggage and just just take it on from from ball one in, in our sense in cricket um, the the confidence that they've got in their own ability is is remarkable so that, that's probably been the biggest change over my career I think just the the attitude of the youngsters who come in now with with no fear uh, they just they take it on. I was watching the BBL last night and uh, Cal Ferguson was sort of probing Tim David on on his more unique pathway where he's really focused on the T20 staff and and Tim sort of said, well, that was the only choice I had of had. For you, if you were doing it again, looking back on how successful you were with the white ball and the money and the riches that are involved, would you have done anything differently? Would you have had more of a focus on on T20? Well, I was probably pretty lucky. I I came into professional cricket when I was 18 and T20 had just started so I feel as though I probably uh, benefited from it as much mm. as anyone uh, in, in that era I think it was the right place at the right time uh, whereas guys now they're playing T20 from when they're eight years old all, all the competitions are a white ball focus so that, that's my only concern going forward is for the longer formats of the game but I mean my, my ambition right from the start was to to play test cricket for Australia and, and be as successful as I could be there um, I obviously had a lot more success in the white ball formats, but 
uh, I wouldn't have changed too much, actually. I, I probably would have looked to expand my game a little bit more as a youngster. I, I think back when it was still a relatively new game, T20, there was always you'd always think about incorporating laps and reverse sweeps and all of that kind of stuff that's such commonplace now. And, and the coaches would, would say, no, you don't need to do that. You've got enough power. Mm. And, and then as you go on, you see see the youngsters who are just fearless. Um, they, they can start to go past us old dinosaurs pretty quick. <laughs> who do you admire in, in that space, like the array of shots that someone has developed over a long period of time that that, that is fearless? Who do you look at? Well, Glenn Maxwell is the obvious one. I think the, his ability to go from from ball one is, is extraordinary, but also the reverse sweeps to laps, reverse laps to fast bowling. I mean... By the time that I, I started wanting to play them, that, that's when you start to start to fear it a little bit and, and you, you almost don't have enough time to then catch up to the, the guys who have put years of work into it. And mm. I mean, there, there is years of work that goes into incorporating a shot into an international cricket match. So, I mean, Maxi was playing them from, from when he was young and people used to raise their eyebrows and look sideways and think, what are you doing? You're, you're wasting so much of your talent here. I think now, at, I think he's 35 now, we're starting to see the absolute best of him. So I just I wish that I probably pushed the boundaries a little bit more when I was younger and, and experimented with with all kinds of different different array of shots. We're speaking to Aaron Finch. I'm glad you brought up uh, Glenn Maxwell because he was on commentary whilst he was playing, not not in the commentary box, but mic'd up. And we've we've loved his work throughout this campaign and others. And and your name came up because they spoke to him about his his captaincy and perhaps some on-field feuds that he's had over the journey. And he said the biggest ones were with you. And he said yep. he was so set when he was bowling on the field that he wanted. And it sounded like you both annoyed each other. Can you give us further insight into what he was talking about? Well, on the field, we used to annoy the hell out of each other all the time. And uh, I was I was a very stubborn captain at times. And, and he is probably the most stubborn person that, <laughs> that I know outside of myself. So... Uh, he would get something in his head that I'd disagree with, and and then it, it just goes. It's just two competitive people trying, thinking what's right for the team is, is yeah. the way that they want to go. And, and so we used to clash a fair bit in that regard. But I, th- I think that that comes on the back of having a really good relationship for the best part yeah. of fifteen years as well. So you, you can have those blow ups on the field because nothing's personal. Um, as soon as as soon as people start taking it personally, then then you've got a bit of an issue. But I mean, with, I was really lucky with the Australian teams that I captained as well, that, that everyone had great relationships and understood the landscape of the game and, and everyone's just in it to to firstly win but also make each other better. So I think that that's where you're able to, to have some really tough conversations and, and heated debate, even if it is in the middle of a game, to be able to um, move forward. Did you ever worry that that was visible to your other teammates and the impact that it may have on them? No, not at all. Because because it was all it was all very uh, very open, very honest. Uh, if if it ever did get across the line, someone would would talk to you about it and just say, "Not that time. Come on, we're, mm-hmm. we're trying to win a game here, and you two are, are getting a bit childish." And you and you understand that, and and no doubt it would have happened over the time. And um, it's just a it's a part of the game when emotions are running high and things mightn't be going your way in a game. You're looking for a for a way forward, and um, but it, it was all all on the field. As soon as we walked off the field, there was never any kind of um, I guess emotions that overflowed from the field. It was all 
sit back and generally it'll be over a beer after a win or something and you'd sit back and you'd, you'd discuss why I wanted a certain thing. He would say why he wanted a certain thing and, and you, you end up just talking about it and then next time it comes up, you've you've resolved it, resolved it so you, mm. you understand and, and then that keeps evolving over time because it, it's when you live on the road with people for seven, eight, nine, ten months of the year, it, it doesn't take a, a real lot to get on someone's nerves after a while when you're living out of a hotel mm hotel room and out of a suitcase so but it, it's all it's all um all's well and well I, I always admired your your captaincy you seem to have a, a really level head and i mean that that's important particularly in the in the short stuff because uh, if you're emotional a bad over can can sort of ruin the whole match for you or someone doesn't follow your instructions but it's a unique position the captain of the cricket team because it's not like any other sport that the amount of power that that one person have is significant. What's the hardest thing about captaining a successful or an unsuccessful cricket team? Well, I think just what you mentioned was, was keeping your emotions in check at times because there is there is times when things aren't going your way and all uh, you can have the best plans in place and they don't seem to be working. So I was I was always one that didn't. Well, I, I did show my emotions a, a bit, but it was all none of it was personal, like I said. So it was all um, all pretty fine i mean there's obviously some stuff that happens on the field that that's out of your control as well if somebody goes down injured and Mm. um doing the planning and preparation is the one thing that i loved about captaincy the making the decisions on the field wasn't the be all and end all for me it was it was a more a collaborative approach more often than not i'd use senior players around who i had full faith in uh to make a lot of decisions and and for me that the if you do all the planning and preparation then and a, and a move doesn't work, you can walk off and say, well, this is why it happened and this is the planning that went into it and, and you sleep easy at night because, like you know, in professional sport, there's, there's two sides out there and, and both are equally as good at times and can only in our game, one player can be the difference. So you have to understand that and also appreciate it at times and, and tip your hat to the opposition. Get along to Marvel Stadium tomorrow. The Renegades are taking on the Stars. Last opportunity to see Finchie in Victoria. I think you've got one more game as well. What we want to clarify is, is this it from everything? Like, is are you going to play for Victoria at all? Or is this is this final? No, this will be it for professional cricket. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it'll be a sad day, no doubt. I, I might get a little bit emotional. But I've, I've enjoyed every bit of it. I've, I've, I feel as though I've got everything out of myself that, that I could have. And... Um, I'm leaving very, very satisfied mm. and content. What sort of commentator do you, do you want to be? Well, good question. I, I, I've loved moving into the broadcast side. Uh, it's something that that I was really interested in while I was still playing, and got the got the opportunity to do it through Big Bash. And mm. um, I mean, the the amount of hours that I've I've been on air over the last twelve months through two months of IPL and then seven weeks of a World Cup have, have been really beneficial and. Um, I, I think oh, that's a tough one. I, I think being so recently retired or, or still connected to the game and and the players involved, I think that that's my probably my niche at the moment in, in being being able to see what's about to happen and, and mm. try and explain to the viewer why things are about to happen. I think that that that's a point of difference that I can bring at this stage. And, and no doubt, if if it continues for a long time, then you have to keep evolving because the game changes and, and mm. once you're not directly involved with it day to day as a player and, and understanding the ins and outs of everything, you 
you probably have to change your commentary slightly as well. So um, yeah, but but for now, I, I like the I like being the analytical type. Do you have to pause when you're when you're about to be critical? I mean, we've to a to a larger extent we've seen uh, Mitchell Johnson and and his criticism of, of David Warner, which I'm sure he gave thought to. Does, do you pause with yourself and think, how critical and how hard do I go if you see something that you don't agree with? No, not at all, because th- th- that's probably the difference when you when you go into the the actual media as opposed to commentating. I think I've got the 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 respect of most people that if I see something that I don't agree with, then it's purely from a playing point of view, whether it's tactical or technical or decision-making under pressure, then then you can call that out. And and I'm of the belief throughout my career, I never ever had an issue if, if somebody called me out for poor performances or, or a bad shot or something like that, because it, you, you know it yourself. And mm. whether, whether it's a, a TV commentator calling you out on that, well, that makes no difference to, to the fact that it just happened. So I'm of a belief, in that regard, um, but I think once you start to go into the into the especially print media, uh, and you have to be a little bit more opinionated, I, I think that that if that does come along, then then yeah, no doubt you, you can carefully consider things that you're going to run with. But uh, it's never really been my style to to pop people for for things outside of cricket. Um, mm. But at the same time, you you, you fully understand, and, and well, I hope players do fully understand if you get called out for for poor performance. couple final ones, Finchie. I know I'm conscious of your time and, and you'll be doing a lot of media in the next week or so and we appreciate your company here. Everyone in Australia has had an opinion on uh, the opening situation with the Australian cricket team. Can I ask yours? Have they made the right call? Well, originally when, when the idea was floated, I didn't think it was the right right decision. But then the more the more I've thought about it, the probably it's, it's not a bad decision to be made. And uh, I understand just wanting to get the best six batters plus wicketkeeper in, into that test side. And, I mean, t- Steve Smith, is, there's not more he can achieve in the game. He's won World Cups. He's been the best test batter in the world for for seven or eight years. And, I mean, sometimes you can probably just start to not take it for granted, but just start to get a little bit, I guess, what's the word I'm looking for? Just, oh, just... Yeah, not comfortable because I know how hard he works, but just might just become a bit monotonous. The top order do well, and there's not a huge amount on series, so you just you, you, you're just playing. So mm. I reckon that this might be a, a great opportunity for him to almost have a, a second coming. And, and I mean, the guy averages 60 batting at four, and his numbers when he's in inside the first 10 overs of a Test match, are, they go through the roof. They're extraordinary. So um, he will take this challenge on, and, and he'll do it very successfully. And, and I hope that that can create more longevity out of Steve uh, because he, he's a brilliant player to watch. And I mean, he's someone that you just don't turn the TV off when, when he's at the crease. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. And I, I know he will be successful. Finchy, last one. I, I think we've overhyped Cameron Green. I, I think the hype in relation to performance doesn't match yet. Can you alleviate my fears or I don't know, you might agree if we anointed him too early. No, we definitely haven't. I think anyone who's seen him play at domestic level has, has seen how much better he is than, than the next best players. And then you translate that into test cricket. And I mean, he's someone who's, who's finding his feet in professional cricket at the highest level, at, at number six, which, which he has done. So I think over the last 12 months, the, the fact that he's been in and out of the side a little bit would probably, well, and, and just been around the team a lot more 
and being able to work on his game out of a competition phase, I think is, is really important as well because when when you're when you're in that Australian cricket bubble and you're on tour and, and you're just preparing for every game, you, you don't have a huge amount of time to get bulk work into a, a small technical change that can take months or even years to to bed down in, into until it becomes second nature. So uh, I think the fact that he's probably had a little bit of time out of the side and then that gives you extra extra time to just groove your game and, and fine-tune it and work on little like small changes. And, and I'm talking minute changes, but they still take months to incorporate as second nature. And, and I think that that will have done in the world of good. He, he's going to be a superstar. Uh, and I, I think that there's, there's a couple of guys out of WA that, that will have a huge impact on Australian cricket over the next decade. I lied. My producer, Johnny, is, a, is an Aaron Finch mega fan, and he's got one more for you. He wants to know your favourite knock, 2013 in Southampton or the 2015 World Cup against England. Which one was your favourite? Well, they're, 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 my, they're both my favourites for two different reasons, and I'll tell you why. The, the World Cup one was our first game of the World Cup, uh, MCG, in front of 88,000 people. and There was such an expectation leading into that World Cup that that we were the best team in the world at the time. So um, to kick Australia off in a really positive note against England was was special. And the 2013 T20 world record knock at Southampton, that was that was special for a, for a different reason because that was probably the first time after that happened that, that I truly believed that I could be successful in international cricket. So right. um, I think it's not until you've, you've contributed heavily to an Australian win or you've, you've had a day out where Australia have won the game off off your your performance almost almost purely off your performance that mm. that you start to believe that you belong at the level and even even with your teammates it, that you feel as though you you start to get the respect of of your teammates once you do that so so the are two special knocks that that I'll hold dear to myself but for totally different reasons You've entertained us for so long, Finchy. We, we've absolutely, your box office. I mean, when you're batting, we're watching. If you're on our TV screens, we, we don't want to uh, turn off. So thank you for that. Congratulations on a remarkable run. Look forward to you informing us behind the microphone for what I'm, I'm sure is going to be a very successful commentary stint, mate. I appreciate your time. And once again, congratulations. Thanks, Kane. Thanks for all the support over the years of, of SEN and everyone there. Thank you.